What's going on, Thrive Church family? We're so grateful you're tuning into this week's podcast. We pray this message will bless you in the same way it has blessed our house this past Sunday. All right. Well, hey, 11 o'clock. How are we doing today? You good? Come on. All right. Well, I'm excited to be here. And do me a favor before we go ahead and get on and move on with the experience. Can you welcome everyone watching online this morning? Come on. Thank you for being here. We love you. So excited to have you watching with us. Um, listen, I, this one's going to be a little bit of a spicy message. So uh, if you want to share it to your friends right now, because you don't know what I'm going to say yet, go for it. You know what I'm saying? And then, and then we'll find out later. But I'm excited. I'm, I'm excited for what God's doing. And so, yeah, on Facebook, on YouTube, share it to your friends. Even right now, if you're watching online, share it to your pages. Uh, you never know what an invite will do. You never know what one post, tag, comment would invite someone to church, how they could experience Jesus, how they would begin to hear the love of God, the gospel, all that sort of stuff. And so really excited, really grateful for what you're doing. Okay. And so let's jump in. Um, we're going to be continuing our series, Feels Like Home. Everybody say, Feels Like Home. Feels Like Home. And we're going to be talking about another cultural value, core value of this church today. And I'm excited to share about this one. And so go ahead and stand your feet with me one more time. Come on, we're going to read the word this morning. And this is what we do every week where we stand for the reading of the word. Why? Because it is the thing that we stand on. And so we honor it with standing. So for those that are newer to our church, you're like, why are we standing so much? Don't worry. This is it. You're not going to stand for a little while. And then we'll let you go at the end. All right, you're good. All right, Isaiah. Book of Isaiah chapter 66. Two verses today, that's it, one and two. Um, we're gonna be reading out of the HCSB version, the HCSB, the Holman Christian Standard Bible, HCSB version, and it says this. It says, this is what the Lord says. Heaven is my throne, and the earth is my footstool. What house could you build for me? This is God asking us a question. What house could you build for me? And what place could be my home? Everybody say home. home. My hand made all these things. And so they all came into being. But this is the Lord's declaration. I will look favorably on this kind of person. One who is humble, submissive in spirit, and trembles at my word. That's a good one right there. Come on, let's pray. Jesus, we love you. We thank you. We're excited for what you're doing in this place. And we pray that this message, this conversation would deepen us in our relationship with you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen, amen. Go ahead and have a seat. I'm gonna sit down like last week just because I think sometimes the tougher conversations often are best in kind of a table conversational type setting. And I think uh, this is uh, no different and I'm excited for this one. And so I wanna read to you all our cultural statements, right? All our cultural values. These are the six things that our church is really going to be known by, what we're known by now. And it kind of gives articulation and language of who we are as a church. And so let's just read them out loud, right? First one is healing. Okay, next one is family. Next one is growth. Fourth is Presence, number five is servanthood, and the last one is mission. A couple weeks ago, we talked about healing. Last week, we talked about family, and today, we are going to be talking about growth. And so the title of the conversation, the title of the message today is Growth, Make Room for More. This is something we say often, not just as a church, but as a team, and I think God's even doing some of those things this morning 
where he is challenging us with this reality of making room for more. Making room for more, growing, allowing us to be a people that grow in Jesus. I don't know about you, but I want to make sure that I have all that God has for me. Can I get an amen to that one? Right? I have learned that people who are stuck or stagnant oftentimes are individuals that are stuck or stagnant because they have not allowed themselves to have a posture of growth. They've not allowed themselves to make room for more. I'm going to get to the message in just a second, but funny story. Um, so how many of you here last week when I told the banana story? Apparently that story went viral. <laughs> Not on YouTube, but with our people. Fake famous in Lathrop, you know what I'm saying? Come on now. <laughs> My wife's not here this service, but it's okay. Uh, so, so, um, so yeah, we, we, we told the banana story. Apparently it went so good first service, I told it to second, because I want you to know, I practice all my jokes first. <laughs> and if they're bad, I don't tell them to you guys. You know, second service, you get the best, I guess. And, um, and so it went good, right? It, it was awesome. Um, so I, I, I have made a commitment. I said this last week that um, I will not throw away bananas in my house. I don't care if they're molding. I just won't touch it. Like I don't, I don't want that smoke anymore in my life. You know what I'm saying? Okay, but, but I, I, I messed up. I messed up. So I, I did something on Friday. I messed up. I, I have this habit where I throw out the trash. Now, I'm a, I'm a normal husband, so that means I throw out the trash when I like, not when I need to. Can I get a witness? Um, you know what I'm saying? We never throw it when we're supposed to. Right, Anthony? Come on, we, never th- we don't throw it when we're supposed to. We throw, we, throw, we throw it when it's convenient for us, right? We're, usually we throw it when it's like busting out the rim. Normally it's because one of our kids put a paper plate and all the stuff's falling off and it's like, what, you know? So like a procrastinator, I'm, I'm waiting. And so the, the, the stuff, uh, I'll be honest, it wasn't busting out the rim. Uh, there was a little bit of room. And so my habit is, is I, I'm very OCD, like I shared, and I like to throw things away always. And so um, I said, oh, you know what? There's some room in the trash bag. I'm going to go hit the fridge up. And I'm going to go hit the fridge up. And I'm going to throw away all the food that I think is dirty in the fridge because, you know, I'm going to be a good husband, right? It's me being a good husband again. That's my, that's my logic. That's my heart. So I'm just trying to be a good husband. And I'm going to clean the fridge. And my wife, she's going to be so happy because she's going to open the fridge. And the fridge is going to be clean. And so I threw away some food and family. And I think it's extra sensitive because I just told the banana story. Even my wife, like if you followed her on Instagram, she was all like, well, these make it the next day. And it was a picture of the banana. And yeah. We had Indian food last week. And I don't know about you, but I love me some Indian food. It's some of my favorite food. If you've never had it, don't knock it till you try it. I'm about that butter chicken life. And uh, the naan, all of it. So good. So good. Love my Indian people at this church too. Love y'all. And um, somehow I was like, yeah, it's me. You know what I'm saying? But um, so we had it earlier in the week. I didn't know this, that my wife got some more. And that was her lunch that day. And I did it, guys. I threw away her Indian food. Like brand new. Like it was a brand new meal. She just got it the night before. I forgot where she got it. I forgot what happened. She just got it. She was gonna eat it for lunch. And listen, let me tell you, my wife does not need diamonds. She does not need earrings. She does not need fancy things. I have won my wife over with food. 
Single men, let me explain something to you. You think you gotta do all this. All you need is a job, a good credit report, and give her in and out. I'm just saying, it's fine. Yeah? You know? And let her shop at Target occasionally. You know what I'm saying? But like, but... So, so my wife loves food. Like, she really, really does. And I did it. I, I did the ultimate cardinal sin is I threw away her food. I threw away her food, and you best believe... And so to give my wife credit, it didn't blow up like it did the first time, but she was pretty salty, and she, she was so... Okay, I don't know, wives. Help me with this one. There's mad where it's like, babe, are you serious? And then there's mad where it's like, Babe, are you serious? Like yelling? I entered a new level of mad. I didn't, I've never experienced this. It made me really nervous. She laughed. <laughs> he said, no. She, she just started laughing. I was like, she said, babe, did you throw away my Indian food? I was like, the old Indian food? And she's like, no, the new Indian food that I had for lunch today. And I was like, Oh no, I, ju I just literally did it like 30 minutes before. I just threw it away. And she was like, <laughs> guys, <laughs> my heart just sank. I was like, oh my gosh, I don't know. And, and luckily we worked it out. And I said, I'm done. I'm not throwing anything away anymore because that's what I do. I just gave up on life. I'm, I'm, I just start saying that like, you know, I'm not a trash man. So I'm just gonna, not, I'm, just, I'm not throwing away the trash. I'm not gonna throw away the fridge. I'm not gonna throw anything on the counter. I'm, not, I'm just gonna have to throw anything away. You can do it. I'm not gonna do it. And so she started calling me out. She's like, hold on, chill. That's your fault that you don't communicate. And it's your fault that you just be doing things that you're not supposed to be doing. And all you have to do is ask me. And I was like, yeah, but that, and I was totally, wrong the whole time she put me in check always, someone said always. <laughs> and listen here's the point all right one we're still married we're good she was at church this morning she knew I was going to tell this story I told her I was going to share this story and she's like I don't know maybe you should wait a couple weeks nah let's just do it now it's still fresh <sighs> in that conversation what my wife was actually challenging me in wasn't that I shouldn't throw away things it's that you need to become a better communicator. You need to do what you're expecting our family to do. And, and this is what I've learned is oftentimes the conversations we don't wanna hear are the conversations we need the most. The conversations we don't wanna hear are the conversations we need to hear the most. I didn't wanna hear that I was throwing food away that I shouldn't and I was essentially not doing what I was supposed to do and not communicating things like that. But my wife, and I'm grateful for her, was able to have a conversation of growth with me that it's not about just making room physically, but what I've learned is this, is sometimes the hardest place to make room is internally. The hardest place to make room is in your spirit. The hardest place to make room is in your soul. The hardest place to make room is, is really just with you and Jesus and, and learning how to allow your life to be a lifestyle, not just a moment, but a lifestyle of making room. You know what I learned? And I just thought about this recently. I think a lot of us hated COVID because it forced us to make room for things we didn't want. Can I get, it, can I get into Kool-Aid a little bit? Like, you talk about how much you love your family and you were with them all day long. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It was like, you've made statements like, I just need to spend more time with my wife. I just need to spend more time with my kids. And then God's like, pandemic. <laughs> I'm not saying he sent it. I'm trying to get it the lot. I'm just, I'm making a joke. But right, 
Okay, you're gonna be home all day long with your kids now and all day long with your family. And week one was cool. Week two, eh. Week three, you're like, I gotta get out of here. I don't know what to do. All of y'all started doing hobbies you never thought. And it was to avoid your family. Like, let's just be real, right? Because it's, and it forced us to make room for things that we didn't have the bandwidth and room for. Here's what I've learned though, that disciples are individuals who follow Jesus and in the process of following God, they make room for more in what God has for them in their life. And I think all of us want more in the sense of blessing and favor and mercy and grace. But today I wanna talk about getting all of Jesus and not just some of it. And part of it is developing a culture. And here at our church, we will do this, where we are gonna call you to discipleship and being a person that is gonna make room for more. We find this in the book of Isaiah, where Isaiah 66 is talking about this. Let me get to the passage real quick, where it says, where is, what, what is the Lord saying? Heaven is my throne, earth is my footstool. Where can I find a place? It's the person who's humble, it's the person who's submissive, it's the person who trembles at my word. What is God saying to the people of Israel and to us today? What he's saying is where I find home is people who make space and room for me. Therefore, what's important is to be a people of growth that make room for more. Let me read to you this statement, which kind of explains it just a little bit more. I wanna break it down. And then I have some things that I believe that are gonna help us. Home church is a church of discipleship. Can I get an Amen. And multiplication. So I wanna stop right there. What does that mean? I want you to understand that here at this church, I think we have done a disservice, not necessarily us, but the Western church has done a disservice of telling people you can get saved without following Jesus. I want you to understand something, that he's Lord and Savior. I want you to understand something, that you need a rabbi. You need a master. You need a father. And not a father that just gives you sunshine and hugs and kisses. Good dads sometimes give pop house. I'm not saying beat your kid. I'm just saying they tell you what's up. Jesus in scripture, very often, if not mostly, there's maybe a couple instances where it's not necessarily the case, but anyone who wanted to encounter him and get saved had to follow him in his teaching and his ways. All right? And so I want you to know this because I'm just, I'm just forewarning you. We're gonna preach messages where it's like, yes, God loves you and he's gracious and he's kind and he's for you and da-da-da. And all that's biblical. But I don't want you coming in getting all shocked when also we have a message like today where it's like Jesus is calling you to leave stuff behind. Jesus is calling you to stop sinning. Jesus is calling you to leave your sexual morality, your idolatry, your lust, your addiction, your stuff at the door or your stuff here at the altar. And, and, and God is calling you to begin to transform some things on the inside of you, out of you. Listen, I love you enough to welcome you as you are, but we also love you to where you, we don't want you to stay as you are. The church is about discipleship, meaning following Jesus in everything that he called us to do. The good, the bad, the ugly, the hard stuff. And with that, discipleship comes multiplication, meaning that God gives increase and God gives growth. I want you to know right now, if you wanna go to a small church, we're not the church for you. Just want you to know that. If you're like, man, I just love churches with 50 people. Not your church. As you can tell, it's growing. Like we just got in this building and we're growing out of it again. 
And I don't believe growth is just so that way we can have numbers. No, no. I believe that when proper discipleship happens, God begins to multiply. You never see it in scripture where God begins real discipleship that things just begin to get smaller and things don't grow. Healthy things grow. So we are unapologetically a church of multiplication. What does that mean? We will do whatever we need to do to make sure that nothing is getting in the way of God growing us individually and collectively. We are a church of discipleship, meaning we are following Jesus in his ways. And part of following Jesus in his ways is when multiplication begins to happen, then it's gonna be normal. And we will do what we need to do. We will make space, we will make room. I'm telling you right now, if you planted a seed into the ground and you planted an apple seed and it made this big old tree and only one apple came out of that apple seed, that's a bad seed. Right? You should have a whole tree of apples. It's what God's kingdom does, right? A little bit of leaven makes the whole loaf big, right? A little bit of yeast, sorry, a little bit of the yeast, a little bit of leaven makes the whole loaf big. That's what Jesus talks about in the gospels. It's this idea of multiplication and what you find is that discipleship and multiplication go hand in hand. So Jesus has called the church to grow in both depth and in width. No one likes a church that's massive but shallow because shallow Christianity hasn't saved anybody. God wants us to grow in depth, deep, rooted, understanding, right? Submerged, immersed in who God is, but then also we grow wide as well. So we are unapologetic with our vision to launch 21 locations in the next 20 to 25 years. We believe, I believe with all my heart that what's happening at this church needs to happen in 20 other cities across Northern California. I believe with all my heart that there are hundreds if not thousands of people in our area alone that need to hear the gospel today, right now. I believe that it would be selfish of the church to just think what matters is just us and not about the rest of the world. A proper perspective of discipleship is I am now getting consumed by God. I am now learning from God. I am now following Jesus and yet I need to make sure that that produces this reality of other people getting introduced to the gospel and then following Jesus as well. Therefore, we are committed to make a space. Reading this on the screen. Therefore, we are committed to make a space, to make space for whatever Jesus is building in us and through us always. That's our commitment. That's what we are called to do. That's what you and I are called to do. And I have learned this, that making space is sometimes the hardest thing, but it's one of the most powerful things. And so, can I share with you a little bit on what I believe real discipleship is? Can I help someone with that in the room? So if you're taking notes, go ahead and pull out your phones, make sure you're taking notes. I wanna give you five things that I believe are the difference between a disciple or a consumer. So here's what I believe the biggest war we have to deal with in Christianity today, in modern Western Christianity, is the difference between discipleship and consumerism. I believe that consumerism has become a plague on the church and Western culture. Because it's this idea that I, we, we just live in it. This idea of like Yelp culture. Come on, I know some of you in the room, you leave bad reviews. They didn't bring your napkins in time. And I get it, right? Like some of that's appropriate. Like if your food was bad, like if you found a bug, yeah, you know, you should totally lead a bad review. But I think sometimes we think that like the kingdom's a democracy, especially because it's voting season, right? That's fun. We're all excited for that. No, I don't think anyone's excited for that one. Um, like I think we think that we get a voice and vote 
when it comes to following Jesus and Jesus is like, nah, you follow me or you don't follow me. I think we have done a disservice by even, even um, you know, I'm just nitpicking a little, but even the idea of church services, right? The word service, and, and we call it that, and that's fine. I think we call it experience, most of us here, but service, um, like who are we serving? You know what I'm saying? Like, like, I think, yes, we serve people, of course, but uh, at the end of the day, it's not all about us. And I think when we make everything about us, that's when we're the most miserable. And what we have found is in self-help culture, uh, people are more likely to get on antidepressants, not less. Uh, people are more likely to struggle with apathy and complacency, not less. And uh, we've learned this, especially with millennial and Gen Z culture, which I'm a millennial, so I could talk about myself, is that when you baby them and everyone gets a trophy, it's not like there really is a winner. I told you I was gonna get in the Kool-Aid, help me out. And uh, I just, I just, I think, I think there's so much more to Jesus than just expecting him to coddle us. I believe that not only does he heal you of your pain, but he empowers you to get through future pain. Uh, I think God is bigger than our circumstance. And, and I think um, there's a difference. There's a fine line between expectation and entitlements. There's one thing to expect God to move. There's another thing to believe he should move because you deserve it. As if when did you die on the cross for yourself? I don't know if you know this, but you can't hang yourself. Did you know that? Like on a cross, you can't, right? If you, if you, if you would see, imagine the picture of a cross, Jesus' feet or on the cross, and Jesus' hand is on the cross, and if you nailed your feet on the cross, that's one part, and if you nailed one hand on the cross, but you still need someone else to finish the other part, that's why you're co-crucified with Jesus, that Jesus hung on the cross for you, but then he will also allow that crucifixion, he will help you to die to your own flesh because you can't do it on your own. And... I know it's tough, but that's what Jesus says. That's what Jesus says in the Gospels. Jesus says that if anyone will want to follow me, you have to deny yourself, pick up your cross. That's the language, Jesus says. Jesus will look at people, thousands of people, and say, hey, if you want to follow me, if you really want a relationship with me, you need to eat my blood and drink my flesh. Oftentimes, Jesus had no problem saying controversial statements because what he was looking for was people who weren't just willing to be consumed by Jesus, meaning a consumer mentality of I need a miracle, I need a blessing, I need favor, I need God to pay my rent, I need God to do something for me. It was like, do you really want the real thing? I didn't marry my wife for what she can do for me. I married my wife because she loved me and I loved her back. I actually married my wife because I loved her and I know there was moments maybe, I don't know if she loved me, but hey, we're gonna get through it. But what I didn't do is I didn't marry my wife for what she can do. I married my wife for who she was. And I think that's the definition of discipleship, yet we have uh, developed a culture, not necessarily here, I'm not saying this here, I'm just let me speak in generalizations, not calling out another church either because we don't do that here because I think that's disrespectful and petty and nobody needs to see that. I think that's dumb. Um, but we have, in a way, have developed such a reputation in church culture where, yeah, churches are like 31 flavors. Just pick the one you like. And I think when God calls us to discipleship and he calls us to him, there will be some things that make us uncomfortable. Therefore, will we allow God to really grow us? You know, that's, that's, the, that's the real question. Uh, are you really growing? Are you? Like, 
I think I've shared this analogy before, but you know, when you go to the gym the first month, especially some of us who just started going to the gym and I, I bet most of us have quit, let's just be honest. <laughs> right, it's, it's, it's February, we, we stopped. For, for Valentine's Day, messed us all up, you know what I'm saying? Um, you know, just because you're around the workout equipment doesn't mean you're getting in shape. You know? I'm preaching myself, you know? Just because you go to church doesn't mean you're growing. And then you blame us because apparently we're not feeding you enough. But yet, when was it expected that the only time you were supposed to eat is on Sundays? My job's to help feed you, but also help you to learn how to make a sandwich so you can make a sandwich for yourself on Monday. Some of y'all need to stop blaming pastors and learn how to make a sandwich. Some of y'all stop need to, you know, Corey Russell says it like this, on the feeding tube of preachers and learn how to make your own food. You need to get a, you need a word from God yourself. And, and that's the idea of discipleship, right? It's, it's teach me to grow versus I'm just gonna be consumed. And don't be wrong, there's some cringy churches. I'm not saying all the church is perfect. Yeah, there's some things that churches do, even we've done at times where it's like, yeah, that was, yeah, no. Not saying it was heretical, just that was weird. Or uh, that, that was awkward. Yeah, because we're human, right? Everyone has an awkward moment in their life. You've never had an awkward moment in your life? Come on, dude, imagine if your life was on stage every Sunday, of course. Like, there's gonna be some things I say that, okay, they weren't perfect. But the difference is, are you coming in to grow and learn and follow Jesus? Or is the expectation that everything I say, for example, is the only thing you hear and it's the only thing that matters and, and, and you're basing your whole life on the words of a, of a preacher, an individual, or a worship service, and, and then it falls apart when that person falls apart because God forbid that things go down when people are human. And there's no excuse for pastors to fail. I'm not giving them permission. But I also think it's interesting how when pastors fail, like people fall. And it's like, but wait, I thought you knew Jesus too. And, and yeah, they messed up, but that doesn't give you permission to mess up either. And two things can be true at the same time that that person's stupid, but that doesn't give you permission to be stupid. And have I allowed myself? These are the questions I ask to be in a consumerist understanding of my relationship with God, where God is only good when he gives me what, we, what I want. That's what I'm talking about, the difference between a disciple and a, disciple and a consumer. Follow me? So let me give you five things in 10 minutes. Here we go. It's all right, I talk fast. Number one, disciples allow internal transformation, but consumers prioritize external modification. What do I mean by that? The Bible says this in Isaiah. Where can I find a home? See, what was happening is the nation of Israel was so focused on the temple, they forgot about the God in the temple. And, I, and Isaiah the prophet, the Lord is speaking to Isaiah the prophet, and he's saying, you have focused so much on the external. You are so focused on the way the temple looks. You have forgotten on who fills it. I did not create the temple so you can make yourself feel better. I created the temple so I can be worshiped and you can meet me at the temple. You, I find it interesting that in the Old Testament, right, in 1st, 2nd Samuel, God honors David for building the temple, but then is rebuking the Israelites for taking care of the same temple that God honored David. It was not a matter of the temple. It was a matter of heart position. Someone could, God can break through in someone's life in church. Have you, have you ever had this happen? I have had this happen where someone next to me is getting just rocked by God, and I'm just there like, I don't even know what I'm doing. 
just twiddling my thumbs. But chances are the person probably getting rocked by God is, was hungry for God and is needing God and desiring God and wanting God. And I came in and I was, met, I was all bitter because the coffee was cold. And you ruined the whole service because the coffee was a little cold because it wasn't to your liking. And it took you 10 minutes to find parking instead of five and, you know, it, whatever. And we get so critical because what we're doing is we're focusing so much on external modification. This is what consumers do. As long as the behavior changes, I'm good. So they come in looking for behavior change, but disciples allow God to transform them from the inside out. Your behavior will change when your heart changes. Did you know that? That's what God's looking for. God's saying, and then he asks the question at the end of it, who, what place can I find home? My eyes are looking, there's another version of the story that says this. The Lord's eyes look to and fro throughout the earth, seeking a heart that's fully his, right? It's this idea of God's looking for somewhere to land, but when he comes in, are we allowing him to make room? And are we allowing him to transform and change the things that are in us from the inside out? Or are we just so focused on the behavior? I, I'm, Listen, I'm tired of treating my wife a certain way. Let's just use that as an example. I'm tired, I'm tired of disrespecting my wife. Okay, that's really, really good. You are self-aware that you're being rude to your wife. The issue is not that you're being rude to your wife. The issue is you have a deep-rooted identity issue of sin, meaning that there's something in there that shouldn't be in there in your heart. And what you're doing is you are projecting disrespect because chances are you think you're a disrespectful person and you've been disrespected. I'm speaking apparently only two men in the room. But that's what we do. We're, we're so focused on the addiction. We're so focused on the problem. We're so focused on the, no, no, no. God's like, let me heal you on the inside. And what disciples do is understand this, that God, you, what matters more than the temple is the God in the temple. Meaning what matters more than what's going on on the outside of my life, although that's important. And although I'm not giving you permission to do whatever you want, what God's saying to you and I today would be this, would be, you know what? What matters more is let me transform you. Let me shift some things. Let me change some things. And disciples make room for that. Disciples allow for heart transformation. Not just, I want to change my behavior. And that's what happens, right? We come to God and let's use addiction, for example. And we get so mad that God didn't break our addiction at an altar call on a Sunday. You know, first service, God was breaking some stuff and it was real special. But then we go back and we're like, man, I'm still struggling with the addiction. I still have the temptation. I still have this stuff, which, which can happen at times. It's because you were so focused on just stop doing drugs, for example, that you didn't allow God to address the deep issues of your heart. Like, why are you doing drugs? Why are you drinking? Why are you sleeping around? Why are you sleeping? That's a great one. Why are you sleeping around? Why are you sleeping with someone that you're not married to? Why? Oh, it's because you feel validation. Oh, it's because you feel comfort. Oh, it's because it makes you feel better. And so you're addicted to feeling. You're not, you're not addicted to sex, you're addicted to feeling. You're addicted to the validation because, oh, actually, you don't feel validated. And actually, you don't believe that God can actually validate you, that God's not enough. So actually, the root of the problem is not that you're in sexual morality. The root of the problem is that you don't believe God is actually big enough and good enough to validate who you really are because he's the one that created you anyways, and the only one that can validate you is actually Jesus. But yeah, you just keep, you know? And maybe some of us grew up in Catholic church where you think it's good enough to just come on a Sunday and like you turn the service into a confession booth and it's not like you're talking to a priest, but it's this idea of as long as I confess to God, I'm good, but my life's really not changing because you're not really confessing the deep stuff. You're just focused on external modification. 
Don't treat Sundays like the confession booth. Treat Sundays to allow God to form you and shape you from the inside out so that you're gonna see the behavior is gonna begin to change. Man, that, we can just do the altar call now, right? You know what I'm saying? Okay, let's try to get through four more. Number two, disciples live a life of humility, but consumers live a life of arrogance. Isn't that true? Because when you're a consumer, it's all about self. It's what I like. It's what I feel. It's that Burger King Christian mentality. I just want it my way, right? I make it my way. And it's like, bro, who told you that? And I'm, again, I'm not saying that there's some things that shouldn't be said and you can have an opinion and, and do it in the right way. Of course, all of us want to get better. But, you know, Isaiah says, so, so check this out. He asks the question, the Lord asks the question, where can I find a home? And then he shares the first line to someone whose heart is humble. Isn't that crazy? Like this is the people God's attracted to. These are God's first picks in the draft. Right, like when I think the way we look at people and we're drawn to them, I think right, we're naturally drawn to charisma, to status, to gifting, to money. Right, we just are. We're gifted to authority. We're, we're attracted to authority. We're attracted to power. You know who God's attracted to? God's like, eh, I'm attracted to the humble. I'm attracted to the one who's meek and lowly and thinks of himself less and thinks of others more. If someone in the room is like, you know what, I want more God in my life, then what you're really saying is I need more humility in my life. Disciples live a life of humility. This is what the Lord says. Who am I looking for to build a home in? Is the person who makes space for humility. I look favorably on the kind of person who is humble. Who is humble. And, and I know that I, I'm not gonna go viral on preaching humility. Like, it's just not, right, right? I'd go viral if it's like God's gonna give you a new home. You know what I'm saying? Like, everyone would share that message. But I'm not, I'm not gonna preach that because we live in a culture that's so much of arrogance. Family, your parents told you this, that the world does not revolve around you. I had bad parents and they told me that. I'm just gonna be honest. Like I did, they weren't around in my life. And they still told me, well, Chris, the world doesn't revolve around you. What makes you think 20 years later it's gonna still revolve around you? Like it's not. And, and what that does is that arrogance, this idea of everything's about me. I, 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 would, I would challenge some of you to do this because I've done this and I'm like, oh my gosh, it wrecked me. I would challenge you to write down every time you think about yourself or something happening to you in a day. And then when you think about something else happening to others, write that down. And I guarantee if you compare it, yo, it's like 20 to two. And then you wonder why you're struggling with humility. It's because your whole life is centered around you. And when we make our whole life centered around us, it's hard to grow. You know what I've learned? Is the best way to grow and the best way to make room for God, the best way to be a disciple is to live a life of humility. Arrogance forces us to think about ourselves. Humility allows us to think of the big picture of what God's doing and about others. And I'm telling you, that's what discipleship looks like. Some of you, this is a huge game changer. It really is. Is if you would just allow God to help you to think of yourself less, right? Not as an individual, not an identity, not an insecurity, not that you're trash. No, you're going on another extreme. I just mean the world doesn't revolve around us. And so disciples live a life of 
humility. I, I, I am just convinced that we need humility now more than ever. We just need humility now more than ever. Number three, disciples develop a teachable heart, but consumers are always right and never wrong. Okay. We've all heard the saying, the customer is always right. Right? And in some ways it's true. The customer is right. Like, hey, you didn't get my burger right. Cool. Yeah, for sure. Um, can I tell you that approach doesn't work with Jesus? Right? I think the difference between a consumer versus someone who's really trying to be a disciple or follower of Jesus is a disciple of Jesus has a teachable heart. Meaning, can someone tell you you're messing up? Can someone tell, now guaranteed trusted individuals, but, but can, let's, just, let's just even back up from that. Like let's not even talk about a person telling you. Let's, let's, let's start with, can God tell you you're messing up? Right? Like, when's the last time you had a conversation with the Lord or you read a scripture and it like convicted you and instead of running away from God, you ran towards God? Does that make sense what I'm saying? I wanna make sure we're locked in. A few more minutes. Disciples develop a teachable heart. When's the last time God can just tell you you're not supposed to do that and you follow through and you're like, you're right, God, I'm not supposed to do that. Because if we don't have that, we can't be a disciple. The idea of discipleship is learning from a teacher. It's this idea that my heart is open and I'm willing to learn. The minute you stop learning, the minute you start grow, you stop growing. I'm gonna say that one more time because I kind of muddled it, but I wanna make sure it makes sense. The minute you stop learning is the minute you stop growing. The minute you stop learning is the minute you stop growing. And some of us, we have allowed this consumerist mentality that we are never wrong and we are always right. Family, you are not always right. I am not always right. We are not always right, especially when it comes to the things of Jesus. There is so much more that God wants to do in us. Disciples develop a teachable heart. You know, it's the thing I look for, just personally, when we hire people at our church. That's the first thing we look for is are you teachable? I don't wanna work with you if you're not teachable. If I can't tell you what's up, go find another job. Because we don't got time for arrogance and pride to get in the way of getting better. When I look at people doing more things at our church, pastors, leaders, I look at that. That's the, fir that's the first thing. Are you teachable? Are you teachable? Again, probably not the fanciest message probably not the most hype, but some of us in the room, your heart has became so hard to any correction. You are so easily offended. You should just wrap yourself in bubble wrap. It's like no one can tell you anything. No one can say anything. You're just triggered all the time. As if God decided he wanted you to have buttons anyways. You shouldn't have them. You shouldn't be triggered because there shouldn't be a, a trigger. Have we developed a teachable heart? Have we allowed God to teach us? I'm not even getting to people. Let me just get to us in Jesus. Can God, can God just show up on a Tuesday in your life and be like, hey, I don't like the way you talk to your spouse. Hey, I don't like the things you're looking at. Hey, I don't like the things you're watching on TV. Hey, I don't like the person you're talking to at the gym way too long. I don't like that. Hey, I don't, I don't, I don't like the way you respond like this. And some of us, 
We won't even give God the room to do that because we're so unteachable, because we have a consumerist mentality, because we just think everything we do is right and what we do is never wrong. Family will cap you. They'll cap you. I wanna always be in the place where I have a teachable heart. Number four, I'm almost done. I'm gonna get to all five because I think they're really important for this group of people in this season. Are you guys with me? You good? You guys are real quiet, so I wanna make sure you're locked in. Like, you can just say an amen, say we're good. Yeah, some, some, yeah, we good. Like, there you go, Pastor Juan. We good, we good. That, that's all you need. Or like, you know, Pastor, Pastor Juan always says yomp, so that, that works too. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that works. Okay, that's okay, don't say that. You're good. Here's the fourth one. Disciples fall in love with scripture, but consumers fall in love with self-truth. Okay, I'm gonna be honest. I, I, I felt like I wrote this line on Thursday just for second service. I don't know who was gonna be here, but apparently God did. I literally thought, man, someone in second service is gonna need to hear this. And I don't know why, but here's the deal. You have fallen in love with self-truth of podcasting, with self-truth of random books, of thoughts, of opinions, of ideas, of social media clips. And when is the last time you opened your Bible? You cannot be a follower of Jesus unless you open your Bible. And it's so easy, it's on your phone. Now, I'm not trying to like make you feel bad. Like, I'm not like you're a horrible person. No, I'm just saying you can't call yourself something if you don't do it. That's all, that's all I'm saying, right? Like you can't say you're a baseball player and you don't play baseball. Like it's like, yeah, I'm a baseball player. Do you want a glove? Nah, I just use my hands. Like, no. And honestly, you know what? Let me, let me, I don't know how you read a digital Bible. Now, some of you, if you do it, that's cool. And if it works for you, like, hey, I'm, I'm about it. But for me, I gotta have paper. I need to flip those pages. I need, I need my tears to flow in the book. I need to have a history with that thing. I need to write it down. I need to write notes. I need to chop it up. Sometimes I even rip pages out and put them in my bath. I know that's weird, but I put them in my bathroom. I've done that. And I just read it every time I'm brushing my teeth again and again and again. We need to fall in love with the Bible. Family, we are living in the most illiterate Bible generation in the history of America. I preach to people and they have no idea who Jonah is. They have no idea who Moses is. They have no idea who the disciples are. They barely know who Jesus is. They don't know the stories. They don't know anything. And it is not enough to hear me talk to you about it once a week. It is not. It's not enough to even hear me talk about it and go to group once a week. It is not. Family, some of you in the room, the solution to your anxiety, the solution to your problems, the solution to your behavior, the solution to your sin addiction, the solution is cracking open the Bible again. Go to bed early and read your Bible. I don't even care what version. If you're old school, you read King James, great. Go with the thieves and the thous and the thighs. Cool. If you want the message, read, I don't care. Just make sure it's not like the Mormon Bible and you're good. You know what I'm saying? Like, just make sure it's not heresy. And if you're like, that's heresy, we can talk about that another time. That's a different tangent. Just some of us, it's like, man, I'm just struggling. Well, when's the last? Have you fallen in love with Scripture? 
You can't be a disciple unless you fall in love with Scripture. You have fa- and if you fall in love with your truth, if every time you come in here on Sunday and it's your truth competing with God's truth, you're never going to win. And you're always going to feel that tension. It's always like, I want that preacher to prove to me that my truth is right. That's not my job. That's not my job to agree with you and your truth. It's not my... It's not my job to agree with your political position. It's not my job to agree that you vote blue or you vote red. It's not my job to agree with what culture is telling you and what Fox is telling you and what CNN is telling you. It's not my job to tell you what your parents taught you was right or wrong. It's my job to give you what's in this book. And you know what you should be doing? You should be agreeing with it because you read the book as well. I'm not the only one who read the book this week. I'm not the only one that was in the kitchen cooking. You were also in there learning, reading, growing, understanding. Listen, if you're a first-time visitor and you're new to this Christian thing, you're off the hook. I'm talking to the Christians in the room. I don't care about your 30-year-old opinion and that you served in an outreach group or you worked in the lobby at your old church in 1977. When's the last time you cracked the book open? Gen Zers, I don't care who you saw on YouTube last week. When did you crack the book open? We need a revived love for the Word of God again. I am in a season right now, family. I'm preaching to the choir. I am in a season right now where I am falling in love with the God of the Bible. Not the God of my opinion, not the God of my theological position, not the God of my encounters and experience and all that's great and that history is amazing and sometimes we lean on that, but, but I am falling in love with the God of the Bible again. I'm, I'm, I'm in the prayer room, I'm, 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 I'm at nighttime, I'm reading scripture, I'm hearing scripture as I'm driving, just for me. Like just this year I've made a commitment, I'm not gonna read in the prayer room what I preach on Sundays. Because I don't want the only time I talk to God and read his word is because I got to share about it. I want to fall in love. I remember when I was 15, 16, and I would spend hours reading that thing. It was just like fascinating. I didn't even know what it was saying. You're like, who's this Rohaboam guy? I can't even say the word. Why does it talk about lambs all the time? Why are they killing animals? I don't know, but I love this thing. I just think that's, a, that's, the, that's the real marker of a disciple is disciples fall in love with Scripture. You don't have to know everything about Scripture. I'm not saying you have to be knowledgeable, perfect. No, no, I'm just saying fall in love with the Bible and don't be a consumer and fall in love with your self-truth. My last one is do disciples understand relational proximity, but consumers focus on transactional relationships. That's the difference I really believe between a consumer and a disciple, is a disciple says, I'm in this with Jesus because we're in a relationship. Consumers, they're only in it if the transaction goes their way. God, deliver us from transactional relationships with God. God, deliver me with my, of my view that you are only God because I need you and when you do what I want. Make me a disciple, teach me that what matters more is the God of the temple, not 
that the temple's for God. Totally different. I know that's such a funny thing. It's, it's just a play on words, but it's actually, it, it has massive consequences. Teach me relational proximity. These were, just, these were just some thoughts, some very basic thoughts. If some of you in the room are like, you know what, you've been talking about discipleship. How do I become a disciple? Those five. If you can do those five, start with those five. Fall in love with the word. Focus on authentic relationship with God. Become teachable in heart. Live a life of humility, uh, humility and let God develop internal transformation. Watch what God does this year. I'm telling you, game changer. Here's the question. Is there room for more in your life though? I can't, ask, I can't answer that for you. Only you can answer that yourself. Do me a favor, stand your feet with me before we let you go. Challenging word, convicting word. Some of y'all right now need to, after we leave, go to Barnes and Noble or something and buy a Bible, I'm telling you. If some of you are like, what's the word? Like, God, what do I do next? Buy a Bible. I don't care which one, just buy a good one. All right, buy a big one. Don't buy a little one. You won't read the little one. Or if you know you're not gonna read the big one, buy the little one, take it everywhere. I just think God's calling us to deeper discipleship. And I think God's calling our church to be a people that make room for more. More services, come on. More souls, more miracles, more spiritual family, more growth, more campuses, more depth, more insight, more knowledge, more revelation, more understanding. And it starts with this. It's a posture of, will I make room for more? Family, that is up to you. And only you and God can decide that. Close your eyes with me. Let me pray for you. If you're in the room and you would say, Pastor Chris, that's me in this season. I need to make room for more. I have been so arrogant. I have been so prideful. I have been stuck in my ways. I need to make room. I need to let God do what he needs to do in my life. If that's you, put your hand on your heart. Let me pray for you. Awesome. Say this with me. Say this, Jesus. I make room for you in every area of my life. Teach me how to be a disciple. Teach me humility. And God, help me to find a home in you and for you to find a home in me. Let me pray for you. Jesus, thank you for whoever prayed that. I pray if they prayed it, they meant it. I pray, God, you would challenge and convict. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you're gonna do what only you can do. And so we ask you to deepen us and grow us in depth and in width and continue to do what you're doing. Multiply us. And we are excited for what you're doing in this season. I pray for my friends. Speak to their hearts and minds. And let this Sunday not just be a Sunday, but let it leak into Monday. We love you. We thank you. And in Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. Amen. Come on, everybody in the room. Let's just give it up for what God did. Come on. Amazing. Such a powerful day. Love it. Family, so excited. Before we let you go, everybody in the room, just say this with me. Foundations. Sign up. It's how you start. Here at the church, you got to start your foundation. You got to start right. Sign up by uh, online or in the lobby. We love you. Invite a friend next Sunday. We can't wait to see you. Have a great rest of your day. Love you all. Once again, thank you so much for joining in and listening to the message brought to our house this past Sunday. We love you, and we pray you have a blessed day and blessed week.